Hey guys, today we are talking all about email marketing made simple. So whether or not you're already actively using email marketing as a strategy, maybe you have been collecting email addresses and not really using them or doing anything with them, or you are rocking it with email and you just want to take it to the next level, you are going to absolutely love this conversation today. So my guest today is Ashley DeLuca. Ashley is widely regarded as the go-to source for all things email marketing for e-commerce and service-based businesses. She's been featured on Thrive Global, Funnel Magazine, GoDaddy, Mind of George, and many others. Ashley will be the first to admit that she's obsessed with avocados, sea turtles, and email marketing and won't ever pass up a good cup of coffee, which if you guys know me, she is a girl after my own heart. So in this conversation today, we are talking all about why your email list size doesn't matter and what actually matters more, how to focus on profits in your email sequences as a heart-centered entrepreneur and ethical ways to sell your services, as well as as tips on boosting email deliverability, clicks, open rates, and all that good stuff. So you are going to want to bring out a pen and paper and take notes because this conversation is very tactical. Ashley shares a lot of really great tangible tips that you can put into place in your business right now. So grab that pen and paper and let's jump into today's conversation. Welcome to Wildly Aligned Marketing. I want you to be seen and heard by the people who need your message and services most, but I know that seems easier said than done because there's a lot of noise online. I'm your host, Natalie Blenkush. I built my business back in the beginning of 2018 and very quickly learned through trial and error that being yourself isn't a cheesy cliche, but actually the key to building a strong, profitable online brand. I'm on a mission to help you own your voice and consistently find and attract the right clients online so you can grow a wildly successful business doing what you love. All right, friend, grab your coffee and notebook and let's dive into today's episode. All right. Well, hey guys, today I am talking with Ashley and we are talking about all things email marketing. So Ashley, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation and just learn from you today. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super stoked to dive into all the things with you today. Yes, me too. Um, well, why don't you start out by just sharing a little bit about what you do? I would love to just kind of hear like what got you into email marketing? How did you get started? Maybe tell us something about yourself that we wouldn't find in your professional bio, and then we can jump into all the email marketing goodness. Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. So um, I guess we kind of gave it away here. I am an email marketing strategist, but the biggest thing for me is I really focus on conversational email marketing. And so essentially what that means is for me, everything that I do, every intention, all of the pieces from the design to the copy, to the strategy, all come back to this idea and concept of just having a conversation with your subscriber. And this is something that I've been doing now for gosh, five years, which is like totally crazy. Um, but it actually started long before at a web design capacity, finding websites, went through the process of um, creating these or websites with library books and a laptop that I bought with babysitting money. And from there, um, you know, life, life went on, did the things and ended up opening my first business, Blank Slate Media Consulting back in 2016 now um, at Panera with my best friend, Cece. And from there, like everyone kept talking about email and I'm just like, what is this? 
started it, hated it. It's like, okay, hold on. This can be so much better. Um, because for me, like, I just love to write, like writing has always been a passion ever since I was like really young. And so email marketing has been the perfect fit for me to be able to go through and create, you know, a real impact in this world through written emails that aren't necessarily just like your salesy, um, pieces that you see a lot of times out there. Oh, and then uh, something that you may not know about me. Um, so my favorite LaCroix is actually the black raspberry. So that's like my favorite LaCroix flavor. Yum. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I have cold coffee. That's not quite as exciting. <laughs> oh man. I always start every day with an iced coffee. Hands down. Always. Every single yes. day. Yes. Even my three-year-old wake up. Yes. Yes. It turns on the brain. Totally. <laughs> Um, well, I love that. It's so funny to me that you said like you got into it and you were like, okay, I hate this. Like what, (laughs) which is what you do now. Um, and I think that, you know, I'd love to dig into that a little bit more because I think that when people hear email marketing and the importance of it, it's like, it's one thing to understand. I know this is important. I understand it's like you own your list everyone sees your emails for the most part, right? Um, Versus social media or algorithms. Like you're not dealing with that stuff. Yep. However, there's clearly a big disconnect between, I know this is something that I should do. And then it becomes a should where they're like, I don't want to do it. I don't like it. Um, In your experience, what do you think is the reason behind that? Like, why do you think so many people know that they quote unquote should do email marketing but they don't actually utilize it in their marketing strategy consistently. Yeah. So it's probably the same exact reasons why I didn't want to at first either. You know, there's basically two components to email marketing. There's the tech piece and like the platform and the integrations and the tags and the segments and the automations, which just even saying that can get really overwhelming. The flip side, there's the actual writing piece. And so for me, you know, I originally, when I first started writing, I thought my emails had to look a certain way, sound a certain way, and they had to, you know, basically appear as well too, like beautifully designed. And so when I originally got into it, there was so many blocks to that where I was like, I don't understand the tech behind this. This is so incredibly confusing. I don't understand what I'm doing to, oh, now I have to go through and create all these graphics and pieces and icons and da, 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 to be able to make my email look pretty. And then I get to the actual writing portion, which is what I really actually enjoy doing. And, you know, for me, I was like, forget it. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is so many steps in order to do the things. And that's really where I then came back into it. And I was like, what is the most simplest and easiest way for me to be able to talk to my subscribers? And that's what I decided to do. That's what I decided to create. Yeah, I love that. That question is something that I have to ask myself all the time because, you know, we're also good at overcomplicating things, but also you know, something that I'm very aware of is I do have that tendency to be like, but it needs to be perfect and it needs to be pretty and fancy and like amazing right from the get-go because there's this, like, I want to over-deliver. I want to serve people really well and, you know, have all this stuff put together. But like you said, so often it's the details for you, like, okay, worrying about how this email looks is preventing me from doing the most important thing, which is the contents of the email, And then by that point, like your brain is just like short circuited. Like I made so many decisions and stressed myself out where, you know, you could have just poured your heart into that email and it wouldn't have been pretty, but it would have been so impactful. Um, So I love that. Like just essentially thinking about cutting out the clutter. So 
along the lines of that, then what do you feel like is maybe some key things that people can really um, focus on when they are getting started with email marketing, or maybe they have been doing it, but it's not like, they don't really feel like it's making a difference. And they're like, Hey, I want to like really hunger down and get serious with this. Um, what are some key things to really focus on then that do actually matter? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a great question because yeah, there is so much out there. Not only is there so much information, but a lot of times what ends up happening is there's just so many to do's that we add to our to-do list in general that, you know, it just, again, they just keep getting pushed off because they never actually happen. And so, um, for me, my brain works in simple. So if I were to basically walk you through the process of keeping things really incredibly simple, you just need to figure out first and foremost, what your platform is going to be right? Like that's the most important piece. And, you know, for me, I always look at it in a way where it really needs to be determined based off of your business and your brain. That is it. It's not necessarily because like I have my own like platform that I absolutely love and use. I have, you know, specific clients who absolutely love and use a completely different platform. And so regardless of where you end up calling your email home, the most important piece is that once you figure out which one works best for you and what makes the most amount of sense for you to use, that you set it up based off of the parameters that make sense in regards to what you're doing. So more specifically, what that looks like is really first and foremost, defining your audience. And so one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is they just put everybody into the same list or the same bucket. And then they don't know who has purchased something versus who hasn't purchased something. And so a lot of times we're sending sales emails to our clients. We're going through the process of annoying them. And they're just like, well, what the heck? Like I already bought this. This doesn't make any sense. And especially for people who are course creators or um, even service providers, this is so incredibly important in order to put people in different buckets for you to be able to then tailor your content around that as your business grows. And so just simply having those two buckets can make a huge difference. And then from there, it's really incredibly important to have essentially a roadmap or a pathway for them to come into your world. No one's raising their hand just to be able to come into an email list just because even if they do love you a lot over on Instagram or social media. And so I always recommend creating some form of either a small paid offer or a free opt-in that will allow for people to be able to raise their hand and allow for you to be able to recognize and see who are your ideal clients. One of the biggest mistakes I personally made is I went through the process of creating 50 tweetable or quotable uh, female empowerment quotes and put that out there as an opt-in. I got a lot of opt-ins. I got a lot of opt-ins from a lot of people who weren't my ideal clients or really didn't have any interest in like what it was that I wanted to say or any of that. And so it's really important to kind of really focus on catering that down into a small win for your ideal client. And so for me, what I like to do is I like to think about what is one thing that I can do to be able to help you become a better ideal client for me. And on the same time as well too, allow for you to be able to feel momentum in that area. So in the email marketing space, it could easily be, I'll give you 10 different subject lines that you can try out in your next 10 emails. You can try them. Maybe you find ones that work, some that don't, and then you get success because you're like, wow, people are actually opening emails now because I've tried XYZ subject line, or I took that and it gave me an idea. And so they start to associate that win with you. And so being able to have that pathway in 
then allows for you to be able to send out, you know, the emails that we're talking about now, which is more so of like either your monthly or weekly campaigns. But I don't focus on those first, focus on bringing people into your world and having a solid pathway in first before then starting on any um, like evergreen or not evergreen, but uh, single send campaigns. Yeah. I love multiple things that you said. I love that you are really emphasizing choose the platform that works for you because it really is. It's like, there's so many things that just the way that your brain works, the way that you learn, um, you know, your preferences there and your business. It's so easy to like outsource that decision to other people and be like, oh, well, what works best for you? What's the best platform? What's the best strategy? And it's like, you get to decide that, right? There's so much freedom with that. Um, and, And what you said as well about, you know, really um, focusing on having that roadmap, like this is how you're going to get in here so that you have that system of people coming in. And so you said, just to clarify, then focus on setting that up before you are emailing your list weekly. A hundred percent. Okay. What will happen is that when Sally Sue comes into your world, essentially excuse me, she'll get that welcome email. And then you can set up some evergreen campaigns that then Mm. follow up that remind them about that um, initial download or paid offer that they purchased, and then be able to also move into selling what it is that you do. You know, for a lot of us, you know, especially if you're just starting out and you don't have a large list or, and even large is like very much so like, what does that even mean? Right. You have like under a hundred people, right? Like hundred people in my house, it would be quite the party. So, you know, if you have under a hundred people, like this is a great opportunity to focus on growth mode, like just getting to that first hundred mark. And so in the last email, you can easily say and be like, Hey, you know, I, this is the end of this road, but listen, we're not over with yet. Like I am planning on, and you can pick a month, right? It could be like two months from now or a month from now, based off of your current growth and say, you know, in August, I'm super incredibly excited that I'm going to be going through the process of sharing with you, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, in my upcoming emails, like you can create some kind of plan around that. And so even if it's say June, right. But they know, oh yeah, in August, we're going to be resuming. That's fine. You know, you can still send little things as well without the full piece of the whole enchilada and just keep adding to that sequence as well um, to be able to keep them fresh in mind too. Yeah. You know, I love, I love that you said that. And I've truly never heard anyone give that guidance before, but it's, it's this great, like, just get started. Don't feel like you need to do everything all at once. And again, have everything set up and ready to go. Um, Because I would have totally thought it would be the opposite of like, just start sending newsletters and like emailing them weekly and then get systems set up. But that makes sense. And it also removes the pressure because it's like, you can get started with email marketing without having it this, uh, you know, one more weekly thing that you need to be doing, which in reality, it's, you know, once you start doing that, it's not going to be that much more time. And there's ways that, you know, for sure you can simplify. I know you said simplicity is really big for you, but it's just, you know, I hope everyone listening is hearing that like, whew, like, yeah. <laughs> like what a relief. Like I can just like write a few welcome emails and set that up. And then I'm, I'm nurturing these relationships and getting them on this list so that when I'm ready, I have that list there. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, not everyone will stick around. Maybe they'll be like, wait, actually who, but you know, at the end of the day, like if you're adding in those little, even small single sounds where you're just like, Hey, just checking in, like, I'm super incredibly excited. Here's a Instagram video that I did or a YouTube or a podcast or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be hard or complicated. If you're just thinking about it in regards to with like, I'll give you an example. So my friend Diana and I, a lot of times for us, like we do a lot of asynchronous communication, right? Like we're just like, and then some days we'll have more so of those like longer in-depth text messages, like conversations. But the thing is, is that like, it's more so not necessarily about the length of the text message as opposed to the intention of it. And so just as you think about like how you reach out to your grandparents or how you reach out to your mom or like, you know, people in your life, like it's definitely not like, hold on, ma, let me give you my entire life story for the past six days. You know, it's more so like, again, the intention, the thought behind it. Um, And also too, like, I just want to give permission as well that like, if you need to take a break, that is fine as well. You know, I think a lot of times we put a lot of pressure around having to be super, super, super consistent. And I do teach consistency. I do believe it's important, but you know, even as I think about myself, like I've taken a break for sending emails for a hot moment because I was going through a lot of life transitions. Um, I didn't really have a lot to say and what I wanted to say actually had nothing to do with email marketing, wouldn't serve my audience. And so, you know, even just thinking about, okay, cool. It's okay to step away for me to take care of the things that I need to take care of or to focus on whatever I need to focus on and then come back to it is way more important than you going through the process of like trying to push through to do the email or just like half doing it just to say you did it. Checking boxes just to be, say you did it. Like it's totally okay to step back and take a break. Your audience isn't going to forget about you as long as you just communicate. Right. I really love that you said that because it is, you know, I feel the exact same way. And it's funny because I also teach consistency with, you know, your messaging and just how you're showing up in your marketing as a whole, but it's the reality that we're human and we all have stuff that is going on. And so there are going to be ebbs and flows. Like I've talked about marketing in terms of there's kind of different phases that we cycle through. Like we're embracing messy action and we're just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like, I don't know, I'm just going to get momentum and do something. And then we kind of get more strategic. And then there's a point where we're like, okay, there's too much going on. I need to simplify. And then we go back to like just spaghetti, you know? So it's like, we're always in a different season. There's different stuff going on in our life. And I think what's so beautiful about what you just said is it like takes the pressure off to be, have everything together again. And almost, you know, I I think we can easily put certain people on a pedestal or certain ways of operating in business where it's like, when I get to this place, then this will be a real business. Then I'll be a real business owner. I'll be a real coach, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, you're never going to have it perfectly consistent and never miss a beat and never have to pull back. Like, and why would you want that too? I don't think people even want that, but it's just so easy to kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like almost shame yourself or make yourself feel bad because you had to take a break and you're not quote unquote consistent. That's, that's life, right? Like there are ebbs and flows. So I think it's like what you shared is just such an important reminder to realize it's, it's never going to look like that. Like we're not robots. (laughs) You know, and also too, what's really interesting, like, as you were talking, I was thinking about, so 
about gosh, three years ago. Yeah. Three years ago. Um, I had worked with like a specific business coach and this is a little bit off topic, but like, I'll bring it back around. I promise. Um, I was working with a specific business coach and at the time she had like this like vision of like, Hey, this is where I think like, you know, and like, just as like any visionary does, like, here's what I'm thinking, like your business is going to look like, like, this is what you're going to create. And, you know, at that time, like in my life and where I was at as like a new mom and everything, like it was just like, oh my gosh, I was just like, I didn't have yet the beliefs to be able to adopt that. I didn't have the, um, I don't want to say the credibility, but like the pieces in order to embody that. Um, but you know, what's really interesting is that like, even though, like when I think about that, like three, almost four years ago, like at that time I was still actually legitimately like an email marketing strategist, right? Like I was still writing emails. I was still doing things. And just as you mentioned, like, even if you are trying to make an income goal, you're trying to make a follower account, or you're trying to make, you know, a specific lifestyle mean something like you can still embody it at that moment and you can still embrace it as well. And so looking back now, which is really cool to see, like it's now, gosh, three, four years later, I actually have that exact business that she had mentioned <laughs> and she was like, this is what you're going to create. And I've created that. It took me a lot longer to be able to create that. And I had a lot of setbacks. I had a lot of what you you know, mentioned, like ebb and flow of like getting there, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I looking back, like, I don't feel any different. Like, I still feel like Ashley, I still feel like, you know, the same like fiery and the bubbly and all the fun stuff. And so, you know, thinking about it, like, even though like my income level has changed, my follower account really hasn't. So like thinking about like income to followers, like all of that. And like, even thinking about, oh, my business has to look like somebody else's, like at a much higher level who has, you know, a, basically 10 times more followers than I do. Like it's, it's not needed. Like it's totally not like, there's so many things I can talk about with that, but I just like definitely want to encourage everybody that like, listen, like there's so much facade out there. There's so much of that, that like, you don't have to compare your chapter to somebody else's. Like you get to create your own journey, your own roadmap. And if you believe that's what you're like meant to receive in this world, and that's what you're meant to create, like you're going to create it. It just may not be on your timetable. Yeah. When I think about my business, it's the same as well. My business, I, I mean, I got started five-ish years ago, but even, you know, for sure the first year versus now, yes, my audience has grown, but even like this year versus two years ago, cause I, I took a while off from my business. So before I took the break versus after I took the break, my audience is not significantly different, but the income is significantly different, right? Like there's things that you just kind of assume when I get a bigger audience or when I get X, Y, Z, whatever it is, then my income will grow. Then I will be really fulfilled in my work. Then I'll be more freed up in my personal life or whatever it is. And like that association, like that connection, it's not like one equals the other. Um, which, and, and you also talked about the facade too, which I would love to address because I've heard you talk about this before in terms of email list sizes. Like this is a thing that, um, you know, if you are pursuing, you know, different kind of opportunities where you are collaborating, I've seen this a lot in summits, um, often they have an email list requirement. Um, tell us your thoughts about that. Yeah. Okay. So you probably already kind of have an idea of what my stance is, but I think it's a lot of baloney mm -hmm. more specifically. And I've had other people agree with me as well, um, who work in the email marketing space and who really truly understand email marketing at its core. 
it's not about the quantity. You know, what's really interesting is that even though like you can have, a, so I'll, I'll give a tangible example. So I have worked with people who have small lists, like, you know, under a thousand people. I've also worked with people who have mega buka, lots of subscribers as well too. Their opening click rates are actually just about the same right now. Like I was looking at some people's the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, they're like literally exactly the same. The only difference within that is being able to take a look at more so about like the actual numbers underneath of that. And so, you know, even though somebody could have 5,000 followers, they're still making relatively the same amount of impact as somebody who has that same size or a smaller list when you think about it. Because over time, what can happen is you really need to actually more so look at those who are actually engaged. Many of us, and I have been totally guilty of this as well too, we hoard people in our world. We hoard subscribers, we hoard, you know, dead engagement follows, like all of it. And so a lot of times it's again, just to hit the number. And so, you know, for a lot of my like clients, like one of the very first things we do is we take out anybody who hasn't engaged in the last 90 days. Like if you're not opening my emails, you're not clicking them. I'm not paying for you to have a seat at my table. Like you can come back in when you're ready to be there. And so, you know, one of the things in regards to with like summit specifically, I have had this time and time and time again, where I will hop on a call with somebody and, you know, it'll be over an opportunity. Like I, we both know, like what the call is all about is about this specific opportunity. And they will, you know, spend, take 20 minutes of my time to go through what, what it is, what the opportunity is. Well, what do you think your topic's going to be? What is this going to look like? How's this going to relate to my audience? You know, plan out all the details. Do you have time in your calendar? I've even had someone so far as like actually book me into their calendar for the event and then be like at the end. So be like, okay, cool. So you're going to send this list to your 5,000 subscribers. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> no, because they don't exist. Like that's yeah. not what I had. And so, you know, I've had opportunities to be like, oh, this is so embarrassing. And I'm like, okay, so up till that point, you were sold on me. You wanted to do the things, but because I didn't have that, you're not willing, even though my open and click rates would definitely match, you know, what it is in regards with the actual amount of people who are being impacted who would sign up or say yes. You know, the biggest thing that I like for anybody. So if you're somebody who is having that requirement, you know, I would definitely look at a different set of numbers. What is your actual number of engaged subscribers? Most email marketing platforms will tell you what is the actual number within that. But then also too, I would actually rather you look at necessarily more so of their community. What is their engagement levels on? And this is something no one ever asks over on Instagram, over on Facebook, talk to me about your community. How involved has your community been in the past? You know, and really focus more so on, yeah, the actual expert itself and like what they can bring to the table as opposed to what you can get from that person. That's also a different mentality as well. Um, what else? Oh, and then the flip side of this as well too, is that it's not even just about actually, you know, the engaged number as well. It's definitely more so as a whole transitioning and seeing that like, Again, at the end of the day, it's just a vanity number. Like, you know, as I kind of alluded to earlier, a hundred people would fill my entire house. Like, you know, like we'd be kind of scrammed in here. I got some extra room in the office because I don't got no furniture in here yet. But, you know, and, and thinking more so of, again, rather than it just being a numbers game, why aren't we just focusing on just creating that impact and putting our hearts out there and serving um, and being unattached to the outcome? Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on just your whole stance with 
the list size and just vanity metrics in general, where it's like at the end of the day, you know, you could even use the example that you gave kind of to illustrate the point of take home pay. Like you can see someone who's making, say they're making six figures. There's someone who's making multi six figures, except that person has a team and they're doing really big expensive launches and whatever. And at the end of the day, they're both making the same thing, right? Like you, you never really know. There's so much of it that it sounds really impressive on the outside, but until you dig into it to get to the meat, essentially, you don't, you don't know what's what, like, there's only so much that you can assume from the outside. And so, you know, that, that requirement of the list size, it, it's like that to me indicates that that company or person or whatever, like you're, you're focused on the wrong thing. Like, you know, like if your heart is really what it is, then why do you care about the list size? If this person, even if they are newer and they have a smaller audience, you know, if their audience is engaged, if they're loving what they're doing, if they're clearly an expert, why does it matter? Like, you know, it's not just, um, I don't know, like the whole saying of business is a numbers game. In some sense it is, I get that. And sometimes it's reassuring to um, look at the numbers because they're objective, right? Like numbers aren't emotional. And so when you realize that this is a typical conversion rate or open rate or whatever, it helps you feel normal because you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) At the same time though, I think people can easily use that as a ceiling to think that, um, how do I explain this? Like they use it as a ceiling to think that they're only going to hit their income goal or whatever it is, their launch goal. If they have a bigger number, like you can absolutely exceed, you know, by just really loving on your people really hard. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you, you feel like you've seen that to be true with kind of using the number as a ceiling? hundred percent. Yeah. And I think also as well, like, you know, even for me within business, like I'm extremely, extremely heart centered. So I don't sell around numbers or like, we're going to get you this, this, or this, cause there's a ton of variables that are involved. And, you know, and so when I think about in regards to with like numbers in business, yeah, like numbers are important. Like, you know, open rates and click rates, like, yeah, like I like to have a base number of like, this is what our goal is. But, you know, for some of my clients, like there's a lot of work that needs to be done to be able to clean out their list, to be able to build a no like, and trust again and like pull them back around. And so, you know, just always going back to the numbers, it doesn't always work, right? It's more so about that overall strategy and consistency. And that's where the pieces start to go together. I've also seen it as well within like the actual marketing space as well, where people always are like my seven figure or my six figure launch. And you're just like, okay, but like, tell me about your actual profit percentage. Like how much is this assumed profit of like payment plans versus not? What is your actual, like, there's just, again, so much flashiness within the online space of like, oh yeah, this is what I've been able to achieve. But then like, tell me the actual details. Like, what does this actually look like or encounter? And for a lot of people, they won't share that. And I think it's really cool for the people who do show and share those specific numbers because it brings a lot more, reality to the space of like, well, this is what is actually attainable, or this is what this actually looks like. Right. Right. Because that's, that's the problem, right? Is it creates these 
expectations that are not connected with reality. Or even, you know, one thing that I don't know if you've noticed this, but I remember having to really shift my mindset around how people talk about making consistent XK months, whatever that is. And it, it almost set this expectation in my mind of someday I'm going to like, it's going to be stable. Like there's not going to be up and down months. And I remember when that really clicked for me finally, and it was a huge pressure relief, but I was like, man, like, why do people talk about it like that? And I'm even guilty of saying things like that, but I, I understand now that it's kind of, you're looking at an average, right? But when, when you hear people talking all the time about consistent 5k months or 10k months or whatever it is, it's like that is creating in people's mind the expectation that someday it's going to be stable and they're not ever going to have low months or failed launches or anything like that, which is just not the case. You know, it's so funny that you bring this up. So I actually was looking at my like three month report of like my past like three months in regards to with like my finances. And there was one month um, where just because of holidays and when dates came through and when payments and blah, 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 there was one month that I basically like made next to nothing. Like it literally looked like I made next to nothing because of how a lot of my payments come through and they ended up carrying over into the other two months. And so even though the money did come out when I needed, like I wasn't like totally broke in May or whatever. One of those things where like, as you mentioned, like a lot of people like will look at that and be like, oh my gosh, what in the world? No, it's supposed to be consistent, you know, X amount of months. And, you know, for me, I have gone through that process of essentially hitting those 10K months, going through of like, I remember hitting my first 5K month and feeling so incredibly excited, hitting my first 10 and like all of that. And one of the things that I realized is that like, it didn't become consistent until I started to become consistent. And even within that, it's not even just about like consistently showing up on Instagram or consistently showing up on Facebook. Because for me, like in the past almost 30 days now, like I haven't consistently shown up on either of those. I've been taking a social media break. And so, you know, when you think about even that, like being able to take out some of those variables, it helps you realize that really it starts with you and yeah. being able to show up and like create and plant seeds. Like I have done hundreds of podcast episodes over the past five years now, easily. I can, I don't know the exact number, but easily have done that amount. And so I realize and know that like consistently over time, they start to build and they start to grow and more people, you know, into their earbuds and like an episode gets rediscovered or whatever that looks like. They remember Facebook group training that I did for them, whatever that looks like for you. Like it really isn't just about like, oh, I want to get to the finish line. Like I want to hit that hundred K or 200 or whatever your goal is. It's more so about like, how can I slowly make that progress to get there while also being able to enjoy time with my little dude, to be able to find fulfillment, to be able to feel really good about where I'm at in life and where I'm going and doing the things and releasing a lot of that pressure of like, I have to get there tomorrow. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's essentially kind of what I'm hearing you say is it's consistent movement forward. Right. And that doesn't mean like that can be anything. It could one day mean I'm working on setting up a new mini course or, you know, recording a podcast episode or inviting a, a client to continue to work with me or sending out an email right to my list. Um, it could mean I am showing up on my Instagram stories every day. Like it, it can show up like, you know, so many different things, but I guess at the end of the day, it's like, are you 
more often than not moving forward in your business? Like, are you doing, taking the next best step, doing little things here and there, like the baby steps, (laughs) like it's not necessarily, um, same action every single day or every single week. It's like compound effect essentially. Exactly. A hundred percent. And even as I'm like thinking about like through my business and my current task loads and all the things, like it looks different every single day, every single month. But one of the things that can, you know, oftentimes really derail us and keeping us from creating that momentum is creating massive to-do lists. Um, And it's something that I'm still working on. It's like changing my perspective around the amount of time that a task take and even the impact or the value of what that task is. And so the more you can get out of the weeds, the more you can get out of the back end, like I just want to do it to do at work and really just focus again on just setting up that welcome sequence funnel, getting it done and out there. And so that way you can really focus on the front end of being able to bring people into your world. And then like to be able to like move them forward is going to create so much more impact than drafting 52 newsletters that eventually isn't going to work for you anyways, because you changed your messaging or you pivoted your offer or you like sold out on something and now you're selling something different. Like just focus on moving, just focus on doing the things. And that's one thing that, you know, when I first started out, that's all I focused on. I was like, how can I get into more earbuds? How can I really just focus on getting more people to know who I am and what I do? And, you know, just having the basics, like I still just have the basics. Like I'm nothing crazy, nothing like spectacular, nothing like that. Like I just focus on showing up and giving the value because like, for me, that's really what it's all about. Right. Right. And honestly, that is, that's so relatable. And I completely relate to what you said about to-do lists too. Like I'm constantly just forcing myself to be like, pick something. Okay. I'm doing that. Go like, (laughs) like, like, oh my gosh, at the end of the day, I just, you know, all these things are important. Um, you know, and it's just, sometimes you just have to like get yourself into gear by doing something, anything. Um, so I love that. I want to just kind of look at like kind of bringing it back to really digging into your email marketing. And you talked a lot about just focusing on the relationship, right? Like not the vanity metrics and not these things that we can get so bogged down by, Um, what would you say in terms of really focusing on profit? Because that's something that I've noticed. Um, I've noticed a lot of entrepreneurs almost compartmentalize, like here I am building relationships and this is relationship content or relatable content. And now I'm going to switch into sales mode of like, now I'm selling and now like this like alter ego comes out. So how do you approach that when you are so heart centered and relationship focused to just really have these conversational emails? How do you focus on profit while still doing that? A hundred percent. They do go hand in hand. So there's kind of two different approaches that you can take based off of what makes sense for you and your business. So the first and foremost and the most simplest way is to adopt Gary Vee's jab, 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 right hook method, where essentially you send like value, 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 and then a sales email and then value, 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 and a sales email. And so that allows for you to always show up with value first before asking. 
The other thing in regards to, especially with sequences, and if you put a lot of intentionality behind your strategy, is making it the obvious next step. So a lot of work that I do within welcome sequences specifically is making sure that when we're going through and having them do that free download or that small paid offer, I want to make sure it links back to my initial offer. There is nothing worse than having a free opt-in again for like some quotes and then being <laughs> like, I want to design your website. Like there's no correlation. And so, you know, thinking about even back to your opt-in, like, again, what are the baby steps that they can take to bring more awareness as to why they need to have a website, why it's important to have a professionally designed website or, you know, helping them create a logo or whatever that needs to be, whatever you see in the market that fits the needs, ask your audience, they will tell you exactly what they want. And so when you think about going back into the sales piece of it, like I can intentionally start to loop that in towards the last half of the sequence. And so whether it's in the form of a PS of like, PS, did you know that I designed websites? Again, this is really lame, but like you can get really creative, of course. You know, it can even be any time that you mention that you do something, like whether it's, um, you mentioned the story behind why you designed a course, like anytime you mention it, link to it. Don't just be like, oh yeah, I have this amazing course called the LaCroix method, you know, and now I want to go through the, like link to the thing, like don't let them figure, like think, well, where do I learn more about this? Like always link to it, even if it is about you based email, mm -hmm. um, you know, really think about the ways that you can just slide it in, in a very fun way. Like a lot of times for me, um, I like to just go through the process of being like, okay, yeah, cool. Like now you have awareness cool. This is obviously your next step and like list out the steps. That's another thing as well too. Like within sales, I like to do, um, I don't like to use countdown timers, no fake scarcity, like none of that. I just tell you what to expect next. So for an example, if you, and I just, I'm just gonna use mine as an example. Cause I know it obviously, like, if you want to work with me, I'm going to be like, cool, let's hop on a quick 20 minute call. We're going to talk about all things email. I'll answer any questions that you have around email marketing. If it works out that we're a great fit, great. If not, like you just left with some email knowledge specific to your business. After that, like if you say yes, like if you want, if you want to move forward, I'll send you over a contract and invoice and I'll get you a Slack invite sent on over. So that way we can then, you know, start the party over in Slack. So that gives them a really good idea of like, oh, okay, cool. Like we'll have a call, then we'll do this. And then like gives them that roadmap. This works really, really well for digital products because a lot of times people are like, well, where do I go? What do I expect? Well, you're going to get a good job. You log in email, and then you're going to get a welcome email that'll walk you through, you know, your first steps and da, 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 da. And so giving them no um, question marks is so incredibly important because so often when it comes to selling, excuse me, they don't know what to expect after they hit buy or, you know, on the flip side, they're like, well, how do I even know this is for me? use social proof, use testimonials, infuse it in as storytelling of like sharing your own story or someone else's story into it. Um, those are all really fun ways to add in sales. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, especially when you are heart centered and you really are not coming from like, again, that really sleazy salesman kind of vibe or space, it's going to come off in the way that you write, because you obviously care about the results that your clients are getting. You care about the, um, basically what happens on the other side of that and making sure that the person is the right fit. So what you're talking about and how you share it is going to come through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you just said sums it up really well. Like I, I love all the kind of tangible ideas and stuff that you threw out there in terms of ways that you can just talk, even talk about what you do more, like talk about what you do. Like, this is how I work with clients. Like it doesn't even have to be a big thing that you dwell on. It's just your 
you're keeping it top of mind. You're, rem- you're reminding people, this is how I work with people. Hey, I have a course. This is what I do in my course and da, 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 da. Like, um, yeah. you know, so there's just, there's so many fun ways, like you said, to integrate it. Um, and what you said about not wanting to come off, uh, come across as sleazy or just focused on the money, you know, for the people thinking that, or maybe feeling that it's like just the reality of, but if that's not your intention, why are you worried about people thinking that about you? (laughs) You know, like, like if that's, if that's literally not your intention, why are you worried about something? It's just, it's silly. Like there's no logic behind it. I've done it though. Like I get it. I've, I've been there, but it's just, I, I like to kind of always give that reminder because I think it helps you snap out of it. And it's like, oh, actually, I don't just care about the money. I actually really deeply care about every single one of my clients. Cool. Like, I don't need to worry about that then. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also as well too, is that everyone knows they're like, we're all business owners, right? Like for the most part, we target other business owners. And so, you know, people understand, like they get it. So you can always add a, and this is a little bit higher tech, but you can always have a tag set up where they can choose like, oh, I don't want to hear more about this offer. And then that way you can like basically take out anybody who's like, oh yeah, I'm not interested in that offer, but still love you and want to be on your list. So that also can help in regards with like, again, curating that experience and like being able to be like, okay, cool. Like I'll keep sending your tips until you say you want me, you know? And so that's also another way too. Yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me of what you said earlier about just kind of the segments and tags. And when you start to do stuff like that, um, you know, the, the worry that people have, it seems with, um, sales often is this like, well, I don't want to annoy people. Like if I'm talking about this thing and they don't want it yeah. by doing that, it's like, you're able to eliminate that because if someone has already purchased your course, they're not annoyed, you know, quote unquote annoyed by hearing about your course. Cause they're not hearing about it. Like they already have it. And so you're eliminating that problem. So it just, you know, again, for people who are very heart centered, like you, you want to be super intentional about that experience. That's a really great way to, um, you know, be able to deliver that. Um, I've got one question left for you, which would be kind of like making it more tangible. And this would maybe be someone who's not totally just getting started, but maybe they are just trying to get more strategic with their, um, email marketing. What are some tips or insight that you would give in terms of just boosting, like the clicks, the open rates, really making sure that people are opening your emails and and seeing everything that, you know, like you're delivering all this value and sharing your heart with them. How do you make sure that they're actually getting it and, and having that delivered to them? Yeah, totally. So, um, so deliver came up a lot, like actually getting them the contents. I love a tool called Glock apps. They're an amazing tool in regards to with deliverability specifically. So if you're a little bit more experienced, you're like, okay, are people getting this email? Is it going to their spam tab? Like what's going on after they get delivered? Um, is my content considered spammy? Like all of those questions that we have. You can go through the process of using their free tool. I think you get like three free sends. And so you can actually send out, you know, free emails, you know, to their platform, which would then allow for them to be able to evaluate and see where do your emails actually land and all of that. And so that's the first thing. Take a look at that, see how it goes. And then they'll actually give you a personalized report to give you some more like personalized feedback. Uh, That's number one. 
Number two, um, engaged audiences are key, right? And so always get rid of your dead weight, move people through a re-engagement sequence and gladly let them go if they don't open or they don't click or they don't do what, you know, you're asking in your re-engagement sequence. Um, you know, one of the biggest things for me and what I have found is after letting them go, deliverability, your open rate, your click rates are all increasing, right? Like they're all going to go through the roof because again, you're getting rid of that dead weight. And so you know, even though for me, like for the longest time, I held people forever because I was like, I just want to hit that 5,000 subscriber mark. Like that's all I want to do. Let it go. Like, let it go because you're going to get much better results over time within your business, within the email by having only the engaged people onto your list. Um, lastly, I highly recommend, especially if you have a list over a thousand people, um, to actually send out two emails a week. So I'll usually do, um, well, it kind of depends on the, like the client specifically, um, you know, for some of my clients we will do an all audience email list, and then we'll do just an engaged list. Um, and so, you know, in between that period of people trying to get re-engaged, they'll still get all the emails. And then we do like a specific email to those who have, you know, clicked a specific link or who have, you know, shown interest in something you can actually use people who are clicking to gain more data on those people. So that way you can better target your emails to get better results. Um, and so that's something as well too, to consider. You don't have to track everything. Don't track people who click over to your Instagram or Facebook, but rather people who um, clicked over to book a call with you or to fill out an application or check out your event, whatever that looks like. Um, focus on those because those are the people who have raised their hands, but maybe haven't said yes to that. And that's money that you're leaving on the table. Yeah, I love that. Those are all really excellent, um, tangible tips, which I so appreciate because again, I know that, um, e email marketing can just feel like, oh my gosh, there's so many different stats and features and things to look at and stuff. So, um, just laying it out the way that you do, you really do have this gift of simplicity because it just breaks it down to like, Hey, just focus on these things. So I hope everyone is taking notes. I need to add in a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode, take notes. <laughs> um, so that's so good. If there was, just one thing that you wanted everyone to remember and take away from this conversation, what would that be? Keep it simple. <laughs> you know, honestly, at the end of the day, I would much rather see you go through the process of setting up something that will, you know, again, hold you over until you're ready to focus on something as opposed to pressuring yourself to do something that you just don't have time or space to do. Um, so just think about what is the simplest and easiest way for me to deliver what it is I need to deliver and do that. Yeah. So good. I love it. Um, well, where can people connect with you online, learn more about email marketing, all that stuff? Yeah, totally. So my favorite place to hang out is over on Instagram. So you can uh, pop on over to Ashley K. DeLuca um, over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to be um, for me to hang out. I share behind the scenes of me and my little dude as we do life. And I would love to see yours as well, too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley. I totally love this conversation and I learned so much today too. And I know everyone else did too. So I really appreciate your time. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode and leave a review if you haven't already. I love hearing your takeaways and how this podcast has impacted you and your business. If you're not already in our private Facebook community, 
love to have you join. Head on over to Facebook and search the Wildly Aligned Marketing Group, or you can head to the show description and you'll find the link as well. I would love for you to pop in there, introduce yourself, and get to know you a little bit more. All right, that's it for today. I will see you on the next episode.